Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. We are so excited to be joined by Brenda Marie Davies, who is the host of the God is Gray podcast and YouTube channel. Brenda is a guide for sex-positive, free-thinking Christians in the modern world. We are so excited to have Brenda on the show to share her perspective on faith, sexuality, and how they intertwine for her. Welcome, Brenda. Welcome. Yay, welcome. You. So excited to have you. <laughs> Tony here. So, Brenda, I'm so fascinated because I used to be Catholic, and you know, it's not the same as being Christian, but there are elements that yeah, that I used to be Catholic too. Okay, yeah, along with like everybody else in America, right? It's and overseas, so <laughs> prevalent. It's huge. It's a really giant cult. I can't believe it got so big. No, I kid. I kid. Um, but I, I wonder, coming from that. And staying with it, right? Like you're still rocking Jesus's yeah, I love Jesus. word. Jesus yeah. is cool as fuck. <laughs> uh, how does sex magic work for you? Like what is, define sex, define magic. Like what is, how does that co cohabitate in the Lord's vessel? Well, I guess I'd first ask you to define magic for me. Because I could tell you about sex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, girl. I definitely, I think one of the main things to understand from my perspective is that I understand many words to be synonymous that a lot of people, you know, overlook or don't perceive that way. So I don't usually say that to my audience because I don't want to, like, alienate them from the true message of what I'm saying, which is biblically based, Jesus based. But, you know, when I talk to somebody about the universe, that easily translates to the God that I'm talking about. You know, I never neglect the reality that we could be talking about the same thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've, we've talked about it on, on our podcast before because you want to be able to reach lots of people. We're all going through very similar things. Yeah. And being able to talk about it is like amazing being yeah. able to connect in that so yeah I, I guess with magic kind of like how I view uh, manifestation and ritual kind of like being prayer so yeah. that's how I see that so I guess magic would be how much of your own co-creating capabilities are you tapping into yeah as as a member of the flock well sex understanding sex in Christianity and in the like evangelical Christian culture that I grew up in is a journey <laughs> and I've been on a journey with it for like 16 years because I was a casual Roman Catholic with my family and I was very like devout from a young age because a lot of people are like why Jesus why don't you abandon that why are you sticking to this but I would say Jesus always resonated very deeply with me and I'm not ignorant I've like researched other religions and there's other things that I think are beautiful but there's something about Jesus especially when you use his true name Yeshua as it was in the original Greek that like it just hits my my heart and soul so profoundly that said you have this really pure love that I felt since I was a child like at my bedside praying and then you step foot in the evangelical born-again Christian church and a lot of us did so around like 12 13 when you're really impressionable and in the 90s there was this huge movement called true love waits and all these kids went to the Capitol um, to pledge their virginity to God and to wait for marriage. And there were books that were put out. There's an author named Joshua Harris that put, put out a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And that even ups the ante of like, not only are you saving yourself from marriage to be pure, but you're also maybe saving your first kiss. Maybe if you date other people, you're emotionally cheating on your husband. So you can imagine like, I was just being a normal kid, masturbating since a really young age, like five years old, developing very normal, having very normal fantasies. Well, I shouldn't say normal. I know that's <laughs> not the right thing to say. But, you know, like traditional, classic, vanilla, like 
I want to have sex in a with a guy in a car and like you know I want him to sweetly take my virginity to like all of a sudden all of that is sin nature all of that is the devil whispering in your ear masturbating is selfish it's a pathway to let in Satan and it's <laughs> really damaged a whole slew of us oh yeah so long story short my path to like where I'm at now has been about abandoning purity culture as I call it which is what that whole movement was and shifting into sexual integrity which is all based in communication in honoring your body which is very biblically based honoring the people around you the people you're having sexual relationship with because 80 percent of unmarried christians are having sex so my view is like we can either pretend we're not having sex and keep having ignorant sex keep hurting people keep taking it for granted not allowing ourselves to feel pleasure or we can be like hey 80 percent of us are doing this let's talk about how to do it with integrity yeah i love that so <laughs> love that much. so much <laughs> and everyone in the sex positive community has really been enriching my view of that mm -hmm. and like I don't disrespect anyone else's ideas. You know, we talked earlier about you being poly. Like, I'm, I'm down to listen to anybody. Mm. Um, but then, of course, I'll be open about my own principles, which will still be, like, based in my view of Jesus. Yeah. For sure. Wow. That is so incredible. I, <laughs> I really feel um, passionate about the idea of not suppressing sexual yeah. desires or just that you know sexual energy because I feel from that so much like chaos can come from it and pain and fear and shame and all of these things which can manifest in very like violent ways sometimes mm. and in the Christian faith I've always um you know I grew up Jewish so I don't really have the same background um but you know seeing just normal culture and how uh, you know as a young person you are encouraged to partake in you know sexual activity until you're old enough or married or whatever um but suppressing those desires can often be really dangerous actually so it's really beautiful to hear how you're um you know not being ignorant about the fact that that's a natural natural part of life and yeah I mean I always say too that I find first of all look at the Catholic Church and I don't mean to demonize them but repression is a form of the devil to mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. because when you're repressing very normal whether they be animalistic or not whether they're not not they be like <laughs> spiritual or not it's real it's just like your desire for food or to mm -hmm. breathe you know and in that way when we're telling young men masturbating is a sin and every time they're doing it in the dark and every time they're like building up all this anxiety and shame and guilt and then the women are told their worth is literally in their hymen and you know their husbands will have to <laughs> be the keeper of that and they're supposed to be protecting women's purity it's just all of that repression leads to fear and one of my main points that i make is that the bible says it lightly kind of alludes to homosexuality and the translation is like debatable on those topics about four times god says fear not over 90 times mm -hmm. so why have we built our entire religion on fear when that is apparently far more important to god than these other things we're obsessing over mm -hmm. wow i wow. got chills yeah <laughs> goosebumps um I would love to know more about your thoughts on how christian folks can embrace a more sex positive mindset uh, I mean, for a lot of people, they're going to have to undo a lot of shame. Mm. And that's really difficult. But I think people should start by listening to the podcast with me and Miss Isabella Frappier, yeah. <laughs> who's sitting across from me, because we talked about a woman being worthy of pleasure and how to allow yourself to feel the freedom to feel pleasure. And one of our greatest arguments was that the woman has a clitoris. If you believe God created woman, then she is apparently made for pleasure. And that's not to say you give it out everywhere and like you, I mean, but you can, of course, but it's just like 
that is worth noting and that is something that's completely overlooked in the church and sex becomes so mundane and tedious and bothersome for a lot of married Christian women because we're told sex is going to be this amazing thing but we're given no education whatsoever we don't know the ins and outs da, 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 da. Um, but we don't like literally are taught nothing except that you will completely desexualize yourself you will be chaste and pure you will dress modestly you will not approach men in a sexy way or tempt them cause them to stumble is words that we use and then you're going to wear a white wedding dress walk down the aisle and become the sexual goddess literally in a day And my whole thing is we need to start addressing and talking about sex in a real way among Christians Mm. as we do any secular person and add the spiritual element. Mm -hmm. Talk about this is how to honor your body. Honoring your body is not about waiting for that day you wear a white dress. Honoring your body is about like if you're really stressed and you feel you need the release of masturbation, is that God prompting you to like, consider that your body needs to be taken care of that you're supposed to be exploring yourself so that your husband in this ideal scenario you know knows how to perform with your body and you're already presenting something that's you know studied and learned you can learn these things together but yeah shame is the first thing you'd have to overcome Mm, and acknowledging you deserve pleasure those are pretty heavy things to yeah. overcome. <laughs> yeah. It's and again, journey. it's taken me 16 years. Mm. So, and my whole journey too, was I was married, I tried saving myself and then I started going crazy because as I mentioned, I've been masturbating since I was five years old. <laughs> so like that was hard. And then at 22, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I gave it away to a stranger and I didn't want to talk about it. I was like, this has become something that's like weighing too heavily on me. I have to get rid of it and then I'll move on with my life. And he ended up really pursuing me. And I thought, oh, this is God redeeming my sin. Mm. This man is pursuing me because maybe he is my husband. And this Mm. is God's way of like letting that Mm. sin be okay. So I truly got married to redeem the sin of having sex. Yeah. And then we were married and thank God, honestly, but he ended up cheating on me Mm. or he admitted that he had been cheating while we were dating. So he was the only person I'd slept with. And then I found out he'd added to his number that was already like pretty large. And I wasn't, I mean, it's so hard because when you like put sex on the craziest pedestal and don't understand it to that degree it is the most important thing in your life so Mm -hmm. being betrayed in that way Mm -hmm. getting the rug pulled out from me in that way rocked my entire world like you guys told me if I was a good girl I would live happily ever after and this would never happen to me Mm -hmm. and that's what they tell you and it's just not true because humanity is real my husband was a person you know Mm -hmm. we are not infallible Whereas I believe if we had had the freedom to have a normal relationship, it would have faded out in its own time. I would have assessed how it felt to have sex with someone for the first time. Is the, a lot of Christians too confuse, quote, conviction with shame. And I feel conviction is internal. It's something like if you're in the CVS and you steal a lipstick and you walk out the door, you feel that little ping that's like, that wasn't right. Mm. That's conviction. That's like fully like spiritually based understanding of what's right and wrong. Whereas shame is you're masturbating and then you hear the voice of your pastor yelling at you about being a sinner. That's external. Mm. So I think you also have to start separating the two and calibrating right from wrong on your own terms Mm. in your relationship with God. For me, that what you just described really feels like developing your intuition. And that's just like a really Mm. powerful thing that we talk a lot about with magic. So Mm. I really see how there are are some things that are (laughs) overlapping. Yeah. So, so shame and, um, finding your own ethical and moral compass. Uh, are there any other hurdles you think for people who are looking to, um, embrace more of the the sex positive mindset within the Christian faith? 
or do you think that's all? Oh, well, I mean, the massive hurdle is all LGBTQ issue. Mm. And that is enormous. I put out a video and it sucks because I had a migraine that day and I kind of like, I wouldn't say I half-assed it, but I was just sick. <laughs> and now it has like 100,000 views. I'm like, of course. <laughs> but what happened was I defended this singer named Lauren Daigle because she went on the Ellen show and she's beautiful girl, like Christian singer. She doesn't say Jesus in a lot of her songs, but I believe I know exactly what she's doing. That's to not alienate. Like Mm -hmm. you can still spread the message of God by just looking someone in the eye. You don't have to be shouting Jesus at everyone all the time. Just like (laughs) reflect his character. So to me, we should call this podcast episode that. (laughs) I love that because that is what people do. It's ridiculous. Like you're supposed to be reflecting the character of Jesus. And I don't think Jesus like offends the sensibility of the majority of people. Except, by the way, like the Pharisees in the Bible and the very strictly religious people that hated him because he was saying, hey, drop your like religious craziness. And it's like about the heart. That's a tangent. (laughs) Anyway, basically, this girl went on the Ellen show and just projected that light. As far as I can see, beautiful, like she sung worship on a secular show hosted by a gay woman. And then um like small minority of christians were like she should have told ellen about jesus she should have told ellen she was a sinner and i'm like yeah because that wouldn't have been awkward like why would someone do that that's not how people quote get saved like if someone's going to come to jesus or have a realization that he resonates it's not going to be because you again for the millionth time let a gay person know that we don't accept you Mm -hmm. like why would that ever work So anyway, after that, she went on a radio show and this guy said, do you believe being gay is a sin? Which Christians say to each other as a litmus test. They always challenge each other. It's not like out of curiosity and a good heart that people say it. Mm -hmm. They say it like, all right, now you got to prove that you're a Christian by saying that it's a sin. Go. And she said something beautiful. She was like, I have a lot of gay friends. Ellen was beautiful and lovely. I like am challenged by this question. I don't know. I read the Bible. You should read the Bible. If you get an answer, let me know because I'm Mm. learning. Beautiful answer. Mm. Christians went crazy on her and demonized her said, and we have all these stupid, uh, you know, offensive comments we say to each other, which when you're a Christian, (laughs) stupid, but they actually hurt. They call you a Jezebel to say you're like seductive and you're a whore and you're leading people astray and you're causing men to stumble and you oh there's one that's terrible which is if you're neither hot nor cold you're lukewarm and god will spit you out of his mouth so by not saying that being gay is a sin you're lukewarm and god hates you basically which is the antithesis of my religion as i see it in its truest form so i made this video and i woke up one morning over christmas break And I had like 200 comments in one day of people just slaughtering me and telling me what a whore I am and blah, blah, blah. And to me, that is the greatest hurdle of my faith because I don't whatsoever relate to those people. I actually still have empathy and love for those people because I think they are so terrified that they're grasping onto these ideas, thinking that their faith lies in this. And it's not. If they would just release their hand from that, they could actually live a real, genuine spiritual life with Mm God. And, um, And FYI, I do not believe being LGBT is a sin. I'll just put that out there right now. And my reason is because there's a lot of cultural context that's very confusing. Some of the original Greek, which by the way, I don't think these like angry women in Nebraska are reading the original Greek text of the Bible and like studying with professors over it. They're just like ignorantly opening up a new Mm -hmm. translation of the Bible. And they're like, it says homosexuality. And I'm like, yeah, it used to say it in Greek and it used to potentially mean pedophilia because there was a practice of, um, men in Roman times taking young boy slaves and having sex with them. And there is an option, which is debated. It might say consensual homosexuality, but it actually might say that 
like Paul hated that pedophilia. And to me, as an objective stance, I'm like, hmm, which would God hate, actually? Mm-hmm. Pretty sure he might have been talking about the pedophilia one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot lost in translation mm-hmm. that people don't have the curiosity enough to follow because yeah. Yeah. whatever suits them. And also there was an imperative to procreate in biblical right. times. Mm-hmm. Not only was that imperative real for our survival, which people might have imposed as like law and rule to make people procreate, but also there was a lot in like having that family system. If you're mm-hmm. running a farm, if you are running a castle, you know, you had to have those like man, woman in place, making children. So a lot of it is also in that context and those imperatives of that time. I so appreciate you sharing that with us. To me, like that's really revelatory as well. I had never heard that. And some of the stuff that Oh, sorry, Bella here. <laughs> I always forget to do that. Um, some Brenda and I have talked personally a little bit about this, and it's so interesting to me as a queer person that has also read the Bible. You know, it's it is of like minimal relevance. Yeah, I always say to people too, like if you read the Bible from cover to cover, like, and no one ever talked to you about it, like, what do you think you would glean? Yeah. I honestly think I'd be terrified of Old Testament God, and sometimes I still am. But everything in the New Testament is like, I wouldn't have, sexuality wouldn't have been the main thing that I would have, that wouldn't have been my takeaway. It would have been like, oh dang, I have to take care of the poor a lot. This sucks. Like, I've got a lot of work to do. Like, that's one thing we almost never talk about, and Jesus elevates that above all else. Mm. He says the most important thing is to love your neighbor as yourself to love God and to take care of the poor. Mm. And I rarely hear Christians screaming about that imperative. Yeah. It's amazing to me, like how much the like fan fiction version of the Bible has taken off (laughs) (laughs) compared to like, that's true. Like I have read the Bible and like, that was the main message to me as well. And like, Jesus is all about like washing the feet of prostitutes and stuff. He's Mm -hmm. certainly not like kicking them out into the street and judging them and trying to send them to jail. Yeah. Major feminist. Mm -hmm. Which is like so annoying because in the Christian culture, that's also a trigger word. My other biggest video is about how feminism isn't a sin. And people love and hate it. And men call me a feminazi. And, <laughs> wow. um, it's all fear. Everything is based in fear. If you have a man screaming at you about how he doesn't want to be equal to you, he's scared. Yeah, that's so true. It's interesting to me that Jesus is so much about love and that God is love. And yet people choose hate and fear time and time again. And it's just an easier thing to grasp and practice than endless abundance of love yeah it's really easy to hate somebody yeah plus it kind of with the it kind of goes back to what we were saying about like linguistics as well Mm -hmm. I think like for so many people if you just replace the word like feminist with like equality they're so much more receptive to it yeah Mm -hmm. and I try to do that in my videos as well Mm -hmm. yeah to not alienate the messages that I think are very pure yeah. So I would love if to have you speak a little bit on if you feel there are any intersections between Christianity and the more like occult secular stuff <laughs> that we talk about on this pod. Yeah. Um, I think a lot about this because I'm blown away and, and love that my audience is so diverse. I have a lot of Christians that love me and I love them but I also have like hella witches and atheists and agnostics and um huge lgbtq audience I love them all so I'm just like I'm never out to disrespect anyone's beliefs but at the same time it's like yes I will tell you when I disagree and I've expressed to you before Bella that like basically I definitely see the parallel between going into a Catholic church, which I think can be such a beautiful experience, kneeling down, like lighting a candle and setting that intention, that prayer towards God. And those are two things that I put in the same category, like manifestation, prayer, intention. Those are all synonymous to me. And I acknowledge fully the power of sitting down and being like, this is 
what I want. This is what I'm going to honor about myself and my body. And, and also what I've gleaned so much from a cult practice, which is going to be a controversial thing to say, <laughs> but the fact that you don't demonize your body in those practices, mm-hmm. I think I know for far too long, Christian culture has demonized the flesh, quote unquote. But in reality, that's so stupid because the more we're disrespecting our flesh, the less productive we'll be, the shorter our life, the more unhappy we are. You know, how many times I've seen a pastor scream about abortion and drive off like weighing over 200 pounds in his gigantic truck, polluting the earth. You know, it's like, you guys are missing the mark on all this stuff. We are called to take care of the earth. And that's something that the occult does beautifully and divinely. We are called to respect the herbs that God has given us. Like I'm an advocate of CBD and marijuana and mushrooms. All the things that grow from the earth are meant for our benefit. A lot of Christians take Western medicine and think that has anything to do with being Christian Mm. while they demonize all of these like herbalistic solutions and stuff. And it's like, interesting. I didn't even know that. It's so annoying. It's just whatever is normalized Mm. in our culture Mm -hmm. can be twisted. And you know, these huge, like corp, these huge corporations and whatever are not stupid. They know how to manipulate people. So I even doing research for my marijuana video, um, William Hearst, the huge newspaper guy Mm. was actually in cahoots with, um, pharmaceutical companies. And he used to put out racist ads. They had like, you know, I don't even want to describe it, but super racist ads. And he changed the terminology from cannabis to marijuana because marijuana was the term that Mexican people used. So when Mexican people were emigrating into the U.S., William Hearst and this a-hole that wanted to push his pharmaceuticals were like, let's just demonize like cannabis and its use, which used to be fully acceptable. You can like find bottles from the 1800s. They were in vials in drugstores. And instead he had like marijuana, exclamation points, fear, fear, fear. Here's your trigger words to make you guys all scared. And they were able to change the laws and make it illegal. And Christians take on this fear. They're really susceptible to it. And I think because it's just so easy to say, well, because God is saying this. Mm. And we as Christians have to be smart and understand the people that are in charge of manipulating our minds are. And I know I sound conspiratorial, but you can research it. It's really not a conspiracy. It's there on Google. <laughs> yeah. I, um, Tuski here, I'm an herbalist. And in my uh, herbalist school, we actually talked a lot about the transition in the early like 1900s from more, uh, you know, holistic, natural growing kind of medicine to the uh, white pill, white lab coat, white man selling you a, like a pill and taking care of you in this very like Tons pristine, of side effects. yeah, exactly yeah. capitalistic kind of way. Herbal medicine for me is so spiritual because it is accessible for all people yeah. and that you can grow your medicine in your backyard if you know how to and if you choose to and to take that knowledge away from the people is so terrible mm-hmm. and I think is like one of the most awful things of this past century. So, yeah. Yeah, I completely Rant. agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's the conspiracy of it Mm -hmm. all it's that it's just to take our power away right Mm -hmm. just like over sexualizing and then causing women to desexualize themselves that's Mm -hmm. just a matter of taking our power away from us because we are sexual goddesses way before we put on a white dress Mm -hmm. right that's why as soon as you start to sprout anywhere they're like "Uh uh-oh you need a whole new wardrobe let's show you that cardigan aisle right like everything Mm -hmm. is different Everything is oversized. Mm -hmm. And And it's so much about the women's repression of all their sexuality versus I have never once in my life heard a message about men having self-control ever Mm. or men having respect or men understanding consent. And I certainly hope that's happening in churches now. Mm. But if not, I would love to take that lead. Like I fantasize about traveling to Alabama and giving a talk on like, 
<laughs> marijuana <laughs> consent or something. Because wow, both, huh? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Just, <laughs> One two punch. Just try to get like exiled from the entire community. But I mean, there's just like there's so many conversations that need to be had. It's not about squelching the beauty of a woman and or squelching our knowledge of herbs. Like, how about giving us all the empowerment that we need to be truly spiritual beings that are, and our body is our vessel. What do you think you're walking through this life with Mm -hmm. your body? So you're just going to demonize it, disrespect it, like give it medicine that harms it, have ignorant sex that hurts it. You're just like dissing God's creation. If you believe it's God's creation, Mm -hmm. truly even more than that, it's really showing that you don't have faith in God's production of you like (laughs) your body is made to heal itself if you treat it well it can do really magical and mysterious things Mm -hmm. i mean jesus didn't go around amputating people he put his hands and he put his faith and he put his love and he cured them right whatever Mm -hmm. ailed them so i think it's really strange and like even when you talk about lgbtq rights and and the stance i remember one of my close friends came out to me and he was really concerned because he's very religious. He believes in God. He loves God. He wants God to love him back. And he was like, well, how, how do I make sense of this? And I was like, listen, I know that I don't like do church very much anymore, but the God I prayed to doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. And that's really all I know about it. So if you're happy and you love him, I really think that that's all that matters. Also, by the way, we've tried gay conversion therapy. (laughs) On the books officially has a 98.9% failure rate. Wow. But (laughs) apparently there was one person left that said like they were doing fine with it. And later on they came out. So it became a hundred percent failure rate. Also like, let's get a bunch of gays together and then like leave them in a camp. I'd be like, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. It's just like, if, if it's that unchangeable, if it's that hard to not masturbate if it's that hard to not you know we're not like asking you know self-control is an imperative I think it is important no you shouldn't be murdering someone shouldn't be disrespecting your sexual partners or like leaving them in a bind there are plenty of areas where you can exercise self-control and self-respect and the respect of others in a really divine beautiful way but asking people to repress their true self and their true, you know, desire is just, it just fails every time. And then the conclusion becomes, I'm fundamentally flawed. God will never love me. Goodbye, Christianity. And people accuse me of like watering down Christianity to invite those people back in. But I'm like, I'm sorry, dude, your four vague verses on homosexuality just aren't turning my head (laughs) but forgiveness is like a building block of christianity like (laughs) non-judgment and forgiveness and second chances and sorry girl we're not no none of that (laughs) my bad my bad my bad i read the wrong book Oh, are we not asking that other joke? Is, is that other oh. joke? <laughs> <laughs> so when we were writing down our list of questions we wanted to cover, I had to write down, are we all going to hell? <laughs> and then there's also like a JK, 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 JK. JK, JK. <laughs> but I'm going to sit here and say, not JK. Are we all going to hell? <laughs> <laughs> Was that the question? Yeah, (laughs) it was. That was why I didn't ask my question. But if you don't want to answer that, I understand. One of my favorite things that anyone's said to me recently was, you don't have to know, you have to embrace wonder. Hmm. And I think if you live by that principle, like life with God to me is an adventure. I love God. I love Jesus because I feel like it's a treasure hunt. When I pray, set my intentions, when I speak to him, when I honor the messages that I believe I'm receiving, I like open a cabinet and find something so special and I feel like it's a gift. And I'm always getting these little, whether they're morsels or they're huge victories, like I perceive that all to be me walking out this faith. So if I say I know anything or I know where you guys are going when you die, like, first of all, is that not the most 
arrogant, ignorant, insane thing that I could ever claim <laughs> and be like, that's just not the point. You know, the point is living out that adventure. And if Jesus comes knocking on your door, like I hope that you would invite that knock because I find it so dang fulfilling and amazing. But I don't know how it all works out in the end. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like this incredible wave of love. And I definitely have to admit that it's very hard for me to believe that hell is the thing that we think it is. It seems too simplistic. Life is so complicated. I don't know why death would be this mm. really oversimplified black and white answer. Mm. That's interesting. That's a really good point. I've never Aren't thought we about glad it like that. I made us ask the <laughs> question. Sometimes every joke starts with the kernel of truth. You're you right. I am a genius. You wanted to. <laughs> so, um, Tony here. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that there are any aspects of a more secular spirituality that could still be beneficial or compatible for someone in the Christian community? Like, well, wait, you said secular spirituality yeah, or you mean like just like alternate. us witchy freaks? <laughs> yeah. Like, is there as much as we want to embrace what we're learning about the Christ as a deity really is what we're discussing, right? Yeah. Because he brings so much to the table that we do embody. And we talk about so many goddesses. Mm. Jesus is a pretty good one uh, great, yeah. for ladies. Mm. Yeah. Um, if you're into that, right? <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. I mean, all of the representations I've seen, I'd bang. So. <laughs> he looks good on that cross. I like all of my men dying for my sins. <laughs> do we forget that I'm the blasphemer? Okay. So I do not stand yeah. by those comments. <laughs> Brenda Marie does not. Um, so, yeah, uh, as much as we want to embrace that, like we were talking about lighting a candle and and how that can mm -hmm. be. Like, are there any other parts of the secular practice that you're aware of that you could maybe see? Like, I know that you and Bella have discussed manifestation yeah. masturbation yeah and that seems pretty secular to me. <laughs> unfortunately right unfortunately yeah. though yeah I think that Christians are not told enough to trust ourselves even in the Bible when Jesus died he said that he was leaving a mediator so that we could directly speak to God because the Old Testament is all about making these sacrifices and you have to go to a particular place to communicate with mm. God and then Jesus came, was the manifestation of that on earth. He died and he said, I'm going to leave you a mediator. And that mediator is what we call the Holy Spirit. So that's like the distinction of the Trinity. Should I stop? Oh no, I was just, I was excited because I was very curious about the Holy Spirit before you came <laughs> yeah. here. She was like, I want to ask about the Holy Spirit. Well, I, I was oh, raised yeah. Jewish and I'm just like, okay, so I, I get who like Jesus is and the God and then the Holy Trinity thing with the Holy Spirit. But like, I don't understand that concept very much. Yeah. It's very impossible to actually understand. <laughs> Great. Great. I was like, I think he impregnated Mary. Yeah. Holy ghost filter. I mean, yeah, that's, that's definitely on the table. That definitely, that sexually divine experience is fascinating to me. There's no women authors in the Bible. Mary Magdalene did have a book that was censored from the Bible. Um, it's part of the Gnostic Gospels, which I'm starting to research more mm -hmm. because men in the church, again, have demonized the Gnostic Gospels because they do use God um, in both like masculine and feminine terms. The Holy Spirit's original name, which is Elohim, is feminine. Mm -hmm. So God is showing us through the original Greek text that he manifests both male and fam like female and that he is neither and both and whatever. Mm. So the Holy Spirit is supposed to be this divine connection and it does have a feminine feeling to me. I always say the Holy Spirit is so gentle because it's like, I'll take for example, I interviewed a friend of mine that was a stripper and she was in a very unhealthy, abusive circumstance. I'm not like 
anti all sex workers, not at all. Like that's very nuanced and I hear people out in that regard as well. But this particular girl was very unhappy. She represents one of the abused, victimized strippers. And um, when she went to church, she was saying, you know, she didn't walk through the door and feel God slash the Holy Spirit say, get off the pole, stop having sex, put on some clothes, you know, like there's a laundry list of things that she needed to let go of and release in order to actually start her spiritual journey truly. And to me, the Holy Spirit is that gentle thing. It's like, hey, maybe abstinence is good for you for a second because that'll like regain your sense of self-worth that it's not about your sexuality so she was actually abstinent while stripping because that was helping her slowly gain her sense of self that even though she was naked on a table she wasn't giving herself away sexually she was like honing that energy and that's always how I feel for the Holy Spirit that gentle whisper that's always like Hey, there's this beautiful teacher that Oprah loves named Ayanla Van Sant. She has this gorgeous concept of God like I've never heard. She really grasps the love of God. I recommend anyone listening to that podcast or to read any of her books. Like, I want to understand God's love as as beautifully as she does because I still work through guilt and shame, of course. It's really embedded in me. But, um, Ayanla was talking about God throwing pebbles before he throws a rock. Mm. And I feel that way as well. It's just like, let's say you're dating a Mm. terrible guy that's mistreating you. It's like those little pebbles are like, you know, when he didn't pick you up that time or he screwed you over that time. And I think it's always our responsibility to follow those pebbles before the rock hits and he's cheated on you and left you and your kid or something. Mm. So again, I think the spiritual journey and the relationship with the Holy Spirit is cultivating that that stillness and that voice and that intuition that tells you when those pebbles are dropping mm. to guide you through life. Wow. Yeah, that's so interesting because that super intersects with our views mm-hmm. on like the universe giving you signs and like Tosca was saying, developing your intuition as well as that. And it is just for me, such the overarching message of our conversations is just the linguistics, the difference between God and the universe, or like, it's so interesting how much Christianity focuses on ritual. And so do we in our community. And like, even like you're saying, lighting the candle. And I think, isn't it interesting how for each of us, like for each people in that polarity, what we're calling to freaks out the other person in a way. It's like, if you're calling to God to answer these questions, you know, some people that are in the witchy community are like, Oh, that's so weird. And some Christian people are like, you're calling on yourself and the universe (laughs) and a goddess. Oh my gosh. Like they're not okay with that. You know? Well, that might be a good segue to just put on the table what I disagree with. Yes. Please share that with us. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I spoke a lot about not wanting to, you know, I'm not judgmental of anyone. Everybody do your thing. Don't harm people basically. And that to me is aligned with like, for me, the problem that I have with quote witchcraft as like the very broadest term is when you're leaving the divine and love and like God and for me, Jesus out of that equation. So my prayers are always centered in the fact of like me releasing myself and being like, I trust the divine implicitly, even if it's hard, even if I don't want to, I trust that you have my back and you're going to steer me in the right direction. Whereas I've talked to people that do fall into darkness and trust me, I believe in darkness a lot. I've been exposed to it. I'm not, I'm a very adventurous person. I've been to dark places as a voyeur and I've seen a lot of things. And when it gets twisted to me is when your motivation is in darkness and selfishness and the opposite of love if you're doing a spell to bend someone else's will to your will, I do not subscribe to any of that. And to me, that is what Christians would call demon energy Mm. and Satan energy because Satan is selfish. He's the author of darkness and all things that are not positive and light and love. Mm. And one of the most telling signs to me is like, I had a friend and no judgment to her whatsoever, but she was saying that she cast this spell to bend someone else's will 
to me, the motivation sounded selfish. I was just like, okay, I'm listening. And she said she planted something under this bush as like a symbol of like, and this is what I want. And the bush died and the thing that she had prayed for manifested came true. And that to me is also a sign of satanic work when something has to die, when something pure and light, a tree, something innocent. I think that's wrong. And I, I see people have like, entities follow them when they do things like that as crazy as that may sound which I'm sure you won't think is crazy but it's like here yeah (laughs) you cannot either have like you know what you might call a spirit guide or something what I would call the holy spirit guide in your life or you can invite dark entities in your selfishness Mm -hmm. and in your lack of love to overtake your life in those ways and it can get dark I think that's when you and repression can do it too Mm -hmm. when you are you know I think the priests in the Catholic Church that have been doing these things have really super dark energy and and selfishness that they've taken a part of to get them there Mm -hmm. and I see some witches with that dark energy too and I'm not about that life. <laughs> yeah. I I personally never encourage anyone to do spells that have anything to do with anyone else. Like right. I've yeah, no self only. Yeah. I I like used to and still do sometimes sell spell candles, and I I love crafting very specific candles for people. And more more the most requested thing is uh, I want this person to fall in love with me. And I've never, (laughs) ever allowed anyone to do that. I'm like, you don't want this. Mm. You can't possibly invite that energy or let yourself go there. And I don't think it works anyways, because if it'll just come back threefold and it's just, it's never a good thing Mm. because in the, at the end of the day, the only person we're responsible for is ourselves. And I think that if you try to, uh, what you said, bend someone against their will or bend mm-hmm. their will. It's just, you know, why? Yeah. And some like practical advice for anyone listening is like, Oh, I kind of wanted to do that spell. I would definitely recommend instead of doing that, do a spell of, I want to invite more love energy into my mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And I'm open to receiving messages of how to do that or how to deepen my own self love. You know, totally. there are ways you can still kind of essentially achieve that goal, Mm -hmm. but it it is focusing on yourself and bringing more of a specific energy. You can't just like, well, you can, but you probably shouldn't will someone specific to love you. I like your phrasing, bend someone's will. (laughs) Yeah. I totally agree with that. And like, how much more exciting is it to have, like you said, the sense of wonder where you do Mm -hmm. invite love energy to come in and then you don't know where it's coming from. And then I think the universe or God, or again, whatever you want to call it, gives you what you didn't even know you needed. Better than Uh, what you imagined. Absolutely. That's always the case. That's the best Mm. part of all of it. And I mean, I'm going to be the other side because Tosca always goes to the positive side. (laughs) I'm going to go negative. Also, if that person is in your life, but not in the way that you want and you want to like force them into it without their consent, you should really maybe take a step back and evaluate your motivations for being in a relationship and how you love and what type of love you're inviting when you're already starting things in a very, very (laughs) scary, specific way. Yeah. Um, Because if that person doesn't love you the way you deserve to be loved right off the bat, then a spell is not going to make that person worth your time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You might get in that relationship (laughs) with that person and they're the fucking worst. Oh my God. You might be so (laughs) bored or maybe they're like, they have another family in a different country. You don't know. Don't. Yeah. Just, be be excited about what the universe and what God has in store for you for sure yeah so it's about surrender and God is huge on free will that's like the main tenant of you know God doesn't force anyone to love him and we shouldn't do that either (laughs) (laughs) so I'm curious when do you feel the most connected to God um I feel really connected when I'm sad. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I'm sad today and I'm just like clinging on to him and like getting all teary eyed with him. And I feel like he has my back, even though I'm mad at him right now. <laughs> um, yeah, because it just it does propel me to work harder to really press in. And exactly what you said, Isabella, like in, in lieu of being like, why doesn't someone love me? Or why isn't this thing working for me? It's like, okay, that didn't work. So what am I to learn from this? What kind of person 
you know, what has this person shown me that I would like in my real person? You know, yeah, I feel connected. Or when I travel, Hmm. how about whenever I'm scared? (laughs) I think when I'm sad, I'm scared. And when I travel, I'm a little scared. I love being scared. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to know a little bit more. You were speaking about how the Christian faith can affect sexuality overall. Would you be comfortable speaking a little more specifically about how it's affected your own kind of like sexual discovery and awakening? Yeah, sure. Um, for me, virginity being on this pedestal of the most important thing I can offer as a woman to her husband, when I gave that away to someone I didn't know, I woke up the next day and I didn't feel guilty about having sex. I was just like, I had no sense of identity anymore Mm. because it becomes your identity. And I tell people in Christianity as well that we have put sex on a pedestal. It's like we, we, what's it called? Idolize it. We've made an idol out of it because if you can just like hang your hat on this thing, like I'm not sexual and therefore I am good. Mm -hmm. Then you can kind of like walk into church with all your cockiness and be like, I'm a virgin. I'm good. But when you're not a virgin anymore, or if God forbid someone takes that from you, which is a very common thing that happens in these repressive environments, Um, unfortunately there's so many stories of girls being violated and boys in churches by people that are living in this repression. Mm -hmm. So then you have a woman that's been violated or raped hearing that same message of how your virginity is the gift you're going to offer your husband. And it not only breaks my heart, but it makes me want to overturn all the tables like Jesus did and just freak out because it's deplorable and it's not biblically based to even say that Mm. that's culturally based. You used to offer your virginity to your husband to prove paternity and you were 15 and it wasn't even your choice. So blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Anyway, when I gave away my virginity, which I know is not even a term we like saying anymore. Um, I had no sense of self, got married because I felt so guilty, found out he was cheating. And then I was like, well, I want a sexual journey of my own because I am very sexual. And with that, I had to like throw out the baby with the bathwater, the baby being sexual integrity, which is what Mm -hmm. I'm now realizing. Like I had to throw away everything in order to go on this journey. And I didn't count like who I was sleeping with because I was like, the last thing I need is more guilt. I'm just going to live my life and see what happens. And it's true agony and ecstasy. I had incredible experiences when there was communication, when I knew for sure this was not a lasting thing and I was just having fun. And then I've had agony experiences where I was misled and I didn't know how to communicate. Once I remember someone had like pretty violent sex with me and I remember falling into the politeness that women get into where I was just like, okay, I guess I'm just going to please him in this moment. And then in my head I did, that's the one time I truly had an out of body experience during Mm -hmm. sex because out of my body, I was like, see, you're a bad girl. You deserve this. This isn't someone you trust. You brought this upon yourself. And I left his house feeling that way. Mm. So then I got in a beautiful relate. No, first I fell in love with someone for the very first time when I was 29, but he totally duped me Mm. and he was like with another girl, but still it like kind of expanded my heart. I feel like falling in love feels like there's a rose in your chest and it just opens and it hurts almost because it feels so nice. Mm. So he expanded my heart. I thank him for that. And, um, But at the end of our relationship, he looked me in the eye because I've been on this whole sexual journey and I've been trying to release myself of guilt and shame. And he said, my worst fear is to marry a whore. And I was like, had all of my Christian anxiety anyway. And I was like, you mean a woman that has sex for money? (laughs) And he was like, no, just a whore. Still looking me dead in the eye. So I was obviously very brokenhearted. Afterwards, he got together with a girl that's very buttoned up and looks very like prim and proper. At the time, I was like such a hoe, like bleach blonde hair, modeling, like wearing barely any clothes. It's just like she was the antithesis of me, vice versa. 
And then after that, I had the first healing relationship of my life, which was with a young guy. He was 23. I was already like in my thirties at that point. And he made a joke one time about a girl being a whore. And I, um, I went to the bathroom and started crying out of happiness because I was like, this guy doesn't believe a woman can be a whore. He just made a joke about being a whore. Mm -hmm. And it really like flipped something in my head where I was like, okay, there are going to be men out there that don't believe my sexual journey journey equates to me being a whore that aren't going to value me because of my virginity. There are men out there that understand the journey of life. And after that, I've really only had pretty decently respectful relationships with men that have like continued to teach me integrity. Like even when we have miscommunications or I feel screwed over, I've taken that as my opportunity to be like, Hey, I need to be respected in this way. And it was really that realization that my value wasn't in my sexuality mm. and only inviting in men that understand that about a woman. Mm. <laughs> That's a powerful journey. I'm so grateful that you, you went through both the, the highs and the lows. Yeah. And that you're here now. <laughs> and the last thing I'll say too, is my heart goes out to Christians. Cause it's like on a pendulum when you're on one side, trying to be perfect, that will break. You can't stay there forever. You can't be like, I'm gay, but I'm going to white knuckle it and I'm going to be good. It will break. You'll have the rug pulled out from under you in some way. For me, that was my husband cheating. And I swung to the other side. I didn't just create this like really balanced, healthy sexuality that I could like be proud of. I completely at some times disrespected my body, harmed myself. Luckily I came out disease free FYI, <laughs> but you know, even that I didn't even, you know, I can't believe it's like, thank God that I was protected in that way because I wasn't honoring my vessel at all, but I didn't know any better. And that's what I really want to teach my audience, how to not be on one side of the pendulum or the other to be like exactly in the middle. You have sex with a stranger on a Friday, over here, but you're not weeping all day over it. You center yourself again. You're like, why didn't that feel good? Do I want to do that again? Like, right. was that shame or conviction? And so on and so forth. I'd love to ask this final question because we're getting towards the end of our time. What is one thing that you wish you could tell your younger self about sex? Stay away from the evangelical Christian church. <laughs> I'd be like, run, girl, run. <laughs> I mean, but is that what I would say? Because I'm so grateful that I get to be a voice in this space now. Like, mm -hmm. I'm so, I am so glad I walked down all the dark alleys that I did so that I could present what I've learned so other people don't have to walk down those dark alleys. So maybe I'd be like, go for it, girl. <laughs> yeah. That's it. so beautiful. And I just want to say like to all our listeners, like there's so many reasons why I was excited to have Brenda on the podcast and invited her. But one of the main ones is how openly and non-judgmentally she speaks and listens. And I think we could all really, really learn from that. Like, even if someone isn't in your community, isn't in your faith, like being able to listen with an open mind an open heart, like we've talked a lot about today, like where are the linguistics different? You know, can we hear from our own frame of reference, some new information someone's sharing and not just dismiss something because it's different from ours and I think everyone's going to be able to get a lot of benefit from this episode so thank you for coming on thank you so much <laughs> thank you for joining us for the sex magic podcast you can find us at sexmagicpodcast.com on instagram at sexmagicpodcast or send us an email or a recorded audio clip if you'd like us to answer your question live at sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com.